Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. From 104.7 WHUPLP Hillsboro, this is She and Her. I'm Anita Rao. And I'm Sandra Davidson. Welcome back to She and Her. We took a week off, enjoyed our Thanksgivings, and now we're super stoked to be back in the studio. Anita, how was your holiday? It was good. I was in Georgia with my family. Um, My little puppy met my parents' puppy for the first time, and it was quite an adventure. Um, (laughs) Many growling fights throughout the night, um, but really fun to be home. How about you? Good. It was huge. My mom had 26 people at our Thanksgiving, which was a lot. Um, But a lot of casseroles, a lot of ham. I've been eating that all week, and I'm pretty tired of it. But (laughs) (laughs) it was really good. Yeah, I think you told me on Tuesday that for lunch you had pie and papaya. Is that right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did. A papaya salad, yes. A classic southern meal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Very balanced. Well, like I said, we are super excited to be back tonight, and we're actually live in the studio with special guests, Sherlet and Shorlet Ammons. Welcome to the studio, y'all. Hello. Thank you all for having us. Yeah, so Sherlet and Shorlet are twin sisters who grew up in Mount Olive, a small town in rural North Carolina. Sherlet is a poet and musician, and Shorlet is a former librarian who works on food justice issues in the state. This summer, the sisters joined forces professionally for the first time and created Sugar Cube Records. Sugar Cube is a Durham-based independent record label devoted to supporting the music of artists who bend and blend genre and artists who often go underrepresented by both major and independent labels. So y'all plan to release your first album in February, and um, we're here tonight to talk a little bit about you guys and where you're from and how this project came to life in the first place and then the forthcoming album. So welcome, and um, let's get started. Yeah, so the two of you grew up in Mount Olive. Um, You come from a long line of farm workers, cooks, and storytellers. Tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and your family life. Um, Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Uh, um, Yeah, we grew up in eastern North Carolina, Mount Olive, small town. Um, Most, probably most known for is pickles. Um, We spent uh, a lot of our summers if before going into the pickle plant um, in the <laughs> <laughs> before we graduated to the pickle plant in the fields uh, just doing farm work with our aunts and and uncles um, large family uh, our mom has 12 brothers, brothers and sisters, and sisters yeah. so that means a ton of cousins and everything in between um, 
and you know just um just a lot of fellowship a lot of family around all the time and a lot of music and um and entertainment meaning we entertained each other <laughs> quite often yeah how'd you do that <laughs> And, you know, in a country, you have to be creative. There's, like, so much open space, and your imagination gets the best of you. So um, we were, but we both love sports, too, so we play basketball. and um, But also we performed for, like, Fields of Corn, as was probably our first audience, <laughs> the biggest no audience today, to too. Today. Was it yeah. a welcoming audience? They were. They didn't they boo. All ears. Yeah. All ears. Ah, ha, ha. <laughs> was that one of your jokes? Really I, I don't believe you. You've been okay. sitting on Did that. Did y'all say you're a touring comedy act? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I read that your, your household was very musical. So in addition to, to the two of you, how did you get inspired to, to do music? Well, we grew up m- like most black Southern people in the church and uh, singing in the church choir. And then um, so that was from like a very early age, probably four or five. Yeah. And then um, our aunts um, turned us on to, like, a lot of soul and um, Southern soul and R&B. So I really credit them for being, like, amongst the first people to, like, really teach me to be passionate about, like, uh, soulful music and feel, like, a relationship to songs that that are, like, you know, just make you feel good, make you want to dance, make you want to move. And then my pops was uh my dad's side of the family was really into like gospel quartets and that kind of thing so um it was just like a just a marriage of like all these like really rich um uh black music sounds and genres that kind of like came together to create like our our interest Mm -hmm. yeah so when you were performing for (laughs) the cornfields and i guess later actual people um what were you guys singing were you acting we were mostly singing uh and playing lard buckets with with sticks yeah seems like we sang some phil collins remember that oh we were in a phil collins for a minute (laughs) yeah so that's the sign of the time and we were in sound of music yeah we because it's cute being twins when you're little like people people think it's cute really enjoy it <laughs> probably more than you do as twins yeah. but uh we so, we yeah. kind of got exploited for like just doing cute things in school and so we were in a, a small production of sound of music mm-hmm. and in church you know that we would always get asked to sing a solo the two of us mm-hmm. uh, in <laughs> oh my gosh joint solo. identity crisis yeah and we were oh, yeah. you know early on smarty pants so we'd always be like uh there's two of us we can't sing a solo <laughs> duet <laughs> well so. tell us about that because you're so your names are Sherlet and Shorelet, which are similar yeah you look similar you grew up in an environment where people were sort of treating you as one a lot yeah. of the time <laughs> what was that like uh I don't know it's hard to reflect though um I mean I think it's just kind of because we we kind of um we grew up kind of really tight that way mm-hmm. I mean so uh, I don't think we were so affected by it until we went off to school and we realized that that's not quite normal. <laughs> yeah, because we dressed alike till we were 18, yeah. too. Did no, you? you did not. I yeah. know, I just said that. I can't believe she said that out loud. We I'm actually to... need pictures of that. For <laughs> yeah. the, they exist. The, yeah. They certainly exist. But our family, I mean, our family <laughs> reinforces it. You know, they call us twin to this date. We call each other, tw- so we reinforce it, too. Yeah. And I think it's more so about... Um, uh, just our association to being a part of a whole, you know, and I don't, I don't think, um, I mean, because we, when we did start really, start, you know, exploring our own individual identities, 
um, it was it was a little hard, but we also knew it was time to do that. So mm-hmm. I don't, um, and I think it also fuels what we're doing now, how we're blending similar but different interests to to try to do the sugar cube thing and and how I work um, in you know be it social justice work or um, creative work. It, it just kind of blends because we bring um, some our individual selves, but also you know the blend of all the things that we have in common in terms of how we were raised and, you know, in our interests. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about when you guys started exploring your different oh, interests. So you went into music. Yeah. Um, I, I think I kind of was, I always felt kind of like the guinea pig, the one who did things first or felt like obliged to like uh, just kind of be curious in a way that was like, okay, twin, this is cool. We can come check this out now. Um, but um, I, I started writing poetry, like, I guess, uh, in high school, really, yeah. but um, but started um, getting a little more serious about it uh, in college and just found um, my community, <coughs> excuse me, of artists and um when spoken word was a was a big was kind of burgeoning like in the mid early mid nineties. So between Raleigh and, and Greensboro just found a collection of like uh predominantly black young kids who were like into conscious hip hop, which was like popular at the time and also just writing about um predominantly about um issues around blackness in in this era that it was really like important to seek this like and exalt this this particular type of identity. Loved it. Um, then started going to like these uh, open mics, and there would be a band, and I would like read poetry over music, and, <laughs> and it inspired me to like put together my first band. And at first, my first my first band was that like just kind of talking over music, and then um, I just got more comfortable with my rhyming and my singing voice, and then tried to like explore different and. More, and more challenging versions of music. Sure. When was that first band? How long ago was that now? Do the math here. It was, was it Stump Hole? I mean, do. No, it was uh, <laughs> Muse Over Music. Oh, right. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just being so embarrassingly confessional. Look what y'all are doing. Um, yeah, so I guess that was like early 20s, like mid 20s. 2000s, you mean? No, I mean age, oh, age. age-wise, oh, yeah. like early, like uh, so. I guess almost like uh, nearly mm-hmm. fifteen years ago, maybe okay. a little more. Yeah. So, was there a community mm-hmm. of people in Mount Olive who you were able to identify with in terms of? You said you started getting more into identity politics mm-hmm. and interested in consciousness, black consciousness. Mm-hmm. Was that happening in Mount Olive, or did you really have to leave and seek this out in the Triangle or in Durham? Well, I think we had to leave for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um. Did you want to say more? Yeah, I just think. Um, just growing up the way we did, poor and black and farm workers, this kind of a lived experience that we were able to explore differently after we left, you know, and reflect on differently. And I think, like, just um, the resilience of, you know, our family and people like our family who were either in the fields or either in the pickle plants or the turkey plants or whatever, they just had this kind of innate um, spirit about them that was, I guess, this kind of, quiet activism whether they knew it or not like just the fact that they would be there and I think you know twins first protest was actually uh at, with the Mount Olive pickle plant protest that hmm. I think flock led down in mm-hmm. um Mount Olive and you know just the contradiction of that because like a lot of people that we knew and grew up with 
um, a lot of elders, particularly black female elders, worked in the pickle plant. So uh, trying to understand the implications of, okay, boycott the pickle plant. Like, what does this mean for the people who are actually working there? And she did a really good piece at the time to kind of, you know, emphasize that contradiction, what it means to people, what those kind of wedges mean to people who are living those experiences. So Mm -hmm. I feel like um, that was a lesson learned in Mm -hmm. a different way. But I I agree that we had to kind of leave in order to actually see that in a in a different kind of light, you know. Hmm. How how did the community respond to you when you did that first? Oh well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I feel like uh, because we had also worked in a pickle plant and had made these relationships with the women who worked there, and then we'd also worked with Flock and um, was I was performing with like a lot of organizations who were doing social justice work. They would ask me to come and, and perform. So like. Uh, in some senses, the reality of that showing up and participating in that protest was me bringing the reality of my full existence to back home. Sure. So in in, in many ways, I was kind of int- reintroducing myself to my hometown. Yeah. Like, but also doing it with a presence of mind that that was um, recognizing that like um, these women, uh, in some ways, they they may feel the same, and there was no. It's not you know this down mm-hmm. east that people don't unionize so i think they kind of trusted me to be that voice mm-hmm. and i could take on that that um risk in a way that they mm-hmm. couldn't right so i'm but i also did speak to the fact that this is a conundrum <clears throat> and i recognize the push and pull of of all this and actually i first heard about boycott and mount Olive pickles while i was like performing at duke i saw a, a sign on a trash can which i was like well ain't this oh, ironic wow. hmm. um and and then shortly after that, they uh, yeah. flock contacted me. That's the Fair Labor Organizing Committee. committee yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Charlotte, I would guess then, given your your life story, that part of the reason why you're working in food justice now has a lot to do with your upbringing. Mm, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's. Um, I think that I like most Southern Black poor families. Like once you leave the field, you're expected to stay out of it. Mm. So it's nice to be able to go back and do this work and, and re, be reintroduced to, to it and reclaim it in a different kind of way. Can you talk a little bit about what you're doing? Um, sure. It may be boring, but... <laughs> um, no, I work for uh, North Carolina A&T um, with the Center for Environmental Farming Systems, which is a sustainable ag organization, and my role is to um, move forward a racial equity initiative. where just looking at how, um, how structural racism has impacted our food system over time, you know. So um, working with some local communities uh, in eastern North Carolina, a community in Rocky Mount, another community um, in Lumberton, in the Lumberton area, um, young people. And, you know, and it's a, it's a, um, it's actually a partnership between the two land-grant universities here in North Carolina. So, um, so it's, um, it, it speaks to the complexity of the food system, the, you know, historical complexities of the food system. Um, especially when we're trying to to um, redefine it. I mean, and and just really pushing people to rethink um, local and organic. And try to take that a little bit deeper to look at um, you know the impacts of not just you know what we eat, but the people that grow the food and labor and all these other issues, health health issues down the line. You know, with the same number of people in especially children in North Carolina being obese as food insecure mm-hmm. like just trying to understand that contradiction a little bit more and unpack it to a point where we 
just have a larger structural understanding of why the food system does not work for so many people, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. And you took a detour through library science, is that right? How did that happen? <laughs> um, to me, it's all relative, is it, yeah? you know, because I feel like um, my calling to library, to, to being a part of libraries was really, you know, I enjoyed reading. I was a children's librarian, but I, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know if you hear a lot of librarians say this, but I didn't go for, <laughs> I didn't go to library school uh, for books. I mean, I wasn't, I mean, a lot of people in library school go because of their love for books, but I think um, my jam was just, you know, intellectual freedom and being able to explore ideas and people's access to information, so I think what I do now is just still reinforcing that and um, we started a community garden at the library, so and that's how I first got introduced to CEFs. Um, so it it, uh, it's, it all makes sense. It's a part of the yeah. journey. It's sensible to me. Yeah, my sister went to library school for similar yeah. reasons. <laughs> oh, good. That yeah. I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it it sounds like both of your independent journeys, both your interest in social justice and activism and performance, all kind of coalesce with Sugar Cube. records yeah which we will talk more about after we return from a break so what we're transitioning to now is you guys have picked out a couple of songs for us and anita what do we have queued up first so now we're going to hear one of the songs from charlotte's upcoming album the song is called earth intro and it's a collaboration with the indigo girls let's take a listen
when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're here live with Sherlet and Shorelet Ammons, identical twin sisters from Mount Olive, North Carolina, who founded the new Durham-based record company Sugar Cube Records. So before the break, we talked a bit about your upbringing and how you all got to this point. Um, maybe tell us about why you decided to collaborate professionally for the first time. Um, it was kind of a, just a brainstorm on our way home to visit our mama. I was kind of um, lamenting about um, the process of putting a record out, and um, I'd already finished um, Language Barrier, my new record, and so we just started talking and one of us said, "Well, why don't why don't we just put it out ourselves?" And I think, um, and I've self-released things before, but this sounded different and it felt different whenever it came up. And it's like, over the course of the drive, it just became a real possibility and a real idea and a real brainstorm. And at some point, it went from like, "What? Like, who? Th- why can? Why do we think we can do that?" And then <laughs> to like, "Why can't we do that?" Yeah. Like. So yeah, it was. It really started in in the car on on our way to have lunch with our mama. Yeah. <laughs> As many things do, <laughs> <laughs> the best things. Yeah. <laughs> Can you talk about what what were you lamenting about the process of mm. releasing? Well, the just um, I, I think um, the most difficult thing that I found is how genre defined the music industry is and so like if you want to create something that does not fit neatly into one of those particular little boxes then where does it belong and then who who puts it out if do you choose a label that particularly focuses on this type of music or this type of music and um so there's that and then there's also just the process the shopping process which i simply hate Hmm. because i feel like um it takes a what no record is the best record ever so the but the shopping your record around process makes you feel as if you have to get approval from certain people who say this record is worth quote unquote putting it putting out hmm. or not and that's just like the defeating and I just wanted to put out um I wanted to feel I felt like I made a good record and I wanted to um be in, a, in an, an environment that reinforced that the fact that this is a creative really creative record and. Hmm. What we did was bring together some really cool artists and just really proud of it. And I didn't want anybody stepping on that, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> well, and your label is trying to do exactly that, to say 
we don't want you to be in a box of your genre right. or of the music you think you're supposed to do. How do you get people to understand that vision when that's, you know, we're so used to looking at iTunes and being like, I like right. indie rock. Like, yeah. let me see this genre, only this category. Yeah. yeah. I, I think part of it is that uh, you have to create environment where people can trust that risk, tr- trust taking that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I think we all do, and, and reminding people that we really do that all the time. Like, if you are a person who doesn't depend on the radio for the seven, eight songs they play all day, if, 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 and actually research and look for music, it's possible that you um, jump from genre to genre all the time. But, like, to put all that into one album has always felt like a no-no. Hmm. So, like... I think the point is, part of it is kind of convince people that this is really how we all listen to music, especially in this day and age where you don't have to buy an, uh, an entire record. You can buy a 99-cent single, and then you can buy a single over here, and kind of paste together a record in your own collage of a way. So it's just, I think part of it is, is reminding people that um, you already do this hmm. in some form. And then, too, like, you want artists to be creative, so... Um, why not you as an audience member and a listener um, contribute to that by being open to what we present? Hmm. Sure. And do you live in Durham? Do you live in Durham? I do. As well? Okay, so thriving music scene. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like this was the right place for a project like this? Yeah, I do. I feel feel really supported in Durham. I mean, and then there's also the thing about, like, uh, if you play in Durham or live in Durham and, and have any relationship with other musicians in Durham, it's so easy to like say, "Yo, um, will you hop on this track with me?" And it'll be somebody who's like from a folk genre, or <laughs> you know. And I'd go, I go check out a lot of music, and um, my criteria for what what is good is um, vast. And like, I like a good songwriter as much as I uh, adore a dude who can or somebody who can lay down sixteen dope bars. So I think. The, for me, it's like, oh gosh, I love the way his right his golden messenger writes such beautiful, simple worker person songs. And then I'm like, I want to I want to work with you. And mm. so like that's how it happens. And I don't feel um, like there are these boundaries that I have to stay within. I just don't buy that. Yeah. And Charlotte, how, for, for you, what has this process been like? You're sort of your first foray more officially into the music world. Um, it feels, um, there's, there's definitely a learning curve and I feel like, um, you know, I mean, I'm biased, but I'm just a fan of Twins music. I'm a fan of the way she writes and what she communicates and how. Um, so I feel honored to be able to represent this project that I'm actually really proud of for her. You know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's significant work, honestly. So it makes me feel good to be able, uh, to be a part of, you know, trying to bring that to people and I think people will be pleased and refreshed you know so I mean so you know and working with um, some really good people who've done this before we're working with Church Key Records uh, to release uh, Twins Next, Charlotte's Next um, uh, Language Barrier so so it's been a learning process um, and it's been um, you know it's like starting anything new, you know. There's a little bit of a learning curve, but uh, I think we we kind of are just smoothing out the rough spots and you know just kind of learning as we go. And it's been really exciting, actually, not not knowing what's around every corner, <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
you know but it's been really cool to be able to work together like this like you said we haven't done a we haven't lived in the same town in a minute you know and now that we're both here being able to collaborate on something that we feel like is hopefully going to be long term and hopefully you know she can be able to (laughs) step in and you know contribute in some way she being a nancy my daughter uh charlotte's niece um (laughs) Who's in the studio with who's us in tonight the studio. as well? Sniffing. Um, so, so you know, just con- like hopefully this will be something that's you know a legacy for you know the people we love, and hopefully a legacy for musicians out there who have similar struggles that Charlotte had and trying to put out her music. And how'd you come up with the name Sugar Cube? Uh, it's really it was a, not a fascinating. No, you got to come up with well, one. We just threw out. A, I know. We, we went through been. all the obvious twins. Like Wonder Twins. Yeah. Like twins. no, we <laughs> can't do that. We're not Wonder Twins. But so. I don't know. I mean, we're we're decent. Yeah. But <laughs> I think we like this whole tag. Like our sugar cube sweet hashtag is the is the thing that we do. But um, I think there's something sweet about just bending and blending genre and the thing that we want to do. Mm-hmm. And a sugar cube with a Q. Mm-hmm. F to the Y to the I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for all you listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, tell us about Language Barrier. Um, and th- so this is going to be the debut record of Sugar Cube coming out in February. Right. Um, it will be, like Twin said, it'll be co-released by um, Sugar Cube and us. I'm sorry, Church, Church Key and Sugar Cube. Um, Church Key is Durham-based. Um, the album is kind of like inspired by this idea that, um, again, like things that we do all the time that we don't recognize, like um, we treat all these differences in the way we love each other as barriers. Like if you love somebody of a different race, or if you love somebody of the same gender, if you love somebody who speaks a different native tongue, um, we treat those things as a barrier. But whatever, we overcome them in order to love who we want to love. And so the underlying theme is love as an act of resistance. Hmm. So I wrote all these songs that, um, and all the music is composed by Daniel Hart, who is a beautiful string arranger dude who's uh, done a lot of beautiful things in his own own right. He used to play with St. Vincent, and then he played, he has his own projects that he plays on. But um, So I just wrote songs that... uh, kind of had this premise in, in mind of defying jo- defying barriers and I couldn't sing them so I wrote a whole <laughs> bunch of songs that I couldn't sing and then kind of like reached out to different people of different genres to sing the songs and then um, kind of glued all the songs together with these two minute hip hop segues that are written by hip hop artists like usually it's me and another hip hop artist so it's it's I think it's it's a unique concept um and it just works together because it 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 just it's the the theme of it is what ties every song together. Mhm. When we when you were writing the songs and they were coming out did you know this is probably something I'm not going to be able to sing? Yeah, I mean I when I say I can't sing them, it's like I, I, I felt like I couldn't. There were other people who could do, do them justice better sure. than me. Mm. Um, so I would record demos that were like auto tuned and send them <laughs> to like the Indigo Girls <laughs> 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 and, you know, put my shame and my pride aside and just hit send. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I kind of just I wrote songs with people in mind. 
Sure. And some people said no, and then I went to my second or third choice. But generally people were responsive, positively responded, and so the record looks like mostly all the people that I actually intended to have on, on <laughs> the record. So tell us about We're going to play the first song in just a second, but tell us a bit about it first before we... Okay. So this is um, features my homegirl, Suki, who is a German rapper, Berlin-based rapper, who I've toured with a few times. I actually just got back from Germany, and uh, we met on the internet and sen- in 2012, and have since, since then have made like quite a few songs together, but I thought it would be interesting on a track called Language Barrier to have somebody rap in a different language, so... Suki, Charlotte, language barrier segue. Es geht selten um Englisch, Esperanto und Deutsch. Es geht oft darum zu verdrängen und darum zu versäumen. Die Barriere im Kopf, eine Karriere verbockt. Keine Euros und Dollars und auch kein Leben für Gott. Aber ein klares Verständnis, wie kann ich dir begegnen? Meine Konzepte und Wünsche inzwischen nicht mehr vernebeln. Denn ich trau mir Vertrauen zu in Gesichtern verewigen Teilen. Im Meigen und dazwischen beweglich. Da sind Liebesbegriffe, die uns so tiefer verpflichten. Worte sind Sauerstoffflaschen, wenn uns Krisen vergiften. Wir kommunizieren komplexe Realitäten, das Sprechen. Was meinst du mit was meinst du? Komm mir nicht ewig verstecken, ha? I'm only versing three pigeons of bonnets, country and Christian. Plus the jargon of old fathers who don't seek forgiveness. Now we're burning them bridges of Mr. Broken and Brilliant. Watching various birds like bubbles scaling a building. And nothing's ever that simple. Set my word in my pencil in 24 hour diners breaking from making a living. Yeah. So when I finish the sentence, the human distance the sentence has never finished. The sentence, uh. So when I finish the sentence, the human distance the sentence has never finished. The sentence, yeah. So that was Language Barrier Segue, which is the first song on the upcoming album uh, by Charlotte Ammons. It's coming out in February. The album is called Language Barrier, and it's the debut record of the new record company Sugar Cube Records. So you described Language Barrier um, as an attempt to look at love as an act of resistance. How does that come from your own personal experience um, in what way do you personally feel connected to that mission that's a good question Um, well I think um, I identify as queer Um, that's one thing so in in certain uh, aspects of my life I've had to like um, love defiantly Hmm. like um, in in terms of like coming to very personally coming to terms with my own identity and my um, also in my gender presentation on stage like particularly when I perform hip-hop um there's like a a lot of uh 
um, posturing that goes along with goes into hip hop. So like, how do you like strip all that away so you can be your most authentic self on stage and not depend on all these tropes hmm. that people depend on in order to feel performative? I mean, we all perform all the time. We're always in the midst of performance, but like, how do you make that performance the most authentic? So. And I think that in and of itself is an act of resistance, especially um, when we're constantly being bombarded by images of how you're supposed to do that, do this, look this way. So um, I think there's a certain defiance about presenting myself clearly and without any ifs, ands, or buts as a black, queer, southern woman who wants to make music that is... uh, genre bending and you know influenced by soul country folk rap all that uh and and i I do recognize that there are models for that and so like that's the tradition i want to contribute to Hmm. how about you charlotte you have a daughter sitting in the back of the room Mm -hmm. (laughs) does Mm -hmm. she play into this theme yeah for sure i mean and i mean i think like um in terms of that, like what she teaches me about, you know, because she raises me at this point. <laughs> but, you know, what she teaches me about resilience and um, being able to take risks, you know, and uh, to, to be able to, you know, um, just continuously love hard and move forward and, and, you know, explore new places and new things and new avenues and you know, like we, we've only been in Durham for a year now. Hmm. Um, so to see how she's thriving there and just how much energy and excitement she has just to, to be in a new place and try new things and take new risks. You know, um, I think it's it, like Twin said, you know, and, and, and you know, her experience in having not just a, a, a queer aunt, but a queer mama, you know, um, and you know, starting that starting, you know, that journey in a small town hmm. and just seeing like how much um, how much um I guess resilience, for lack of a better word, that she that she operates with, in in her negotiation of, you know, being who she is and representing the people that she loves in her life. I actually, you know, it 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 really is a lesson, at least for me, as you know, a black mama raising a beautiful black girl, and just how to um, just be, you know, as authentic as possible. Yeah. Uh, so we identify ourselves as feminists, and the mission of the show is being to share the voices of women, of feminists, and of women-identified awesome. folks. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Sugar Cube has a feminist agenda? Do you want um, your work t- to, to come across that way? Absolutely. I mean, I think um, our our mission represents a feminist agenda as much as it represents a um, a overtly black agenda as much as it represents an overtly queer agenda like we're saying like yo we we come from a place that we've had to like um defy systems of oppression that even exist in the music industry and we want to call them out like that's been another part of this Mm -hmm. whole journey too is to like be honest about the whole process of making music i tell people all the time like the records oftentimes what you hear is not about what the best music is. It's mm-hmm. about a whole bunch of payola politics. It's about a lot of stuff that don't have nothing to do with the music itself. So we just uh, want to be, we've been trying to be transparent about the process of putting the label together, um, about the process of like um, like all the nuts and bolts that go into that so that there can be other women, um, who uh, other black women, other queer women, other feminists who, who could take uh, a cue from us and hopefully do this and better than we did it. Um, based on our our model or based on our 
the experience. Yeah. yeah. Are there challenges to working together <laughs> as siblings? No. What are you talking <laughs> about? No. <laughs> yes, yeah. there are. I mean, we're both strong-willed people, <laughs> um, so we butt heads every now and then. Yeah. But you know. We can't stay mad at each other no. for no, no more than two minutes, no. so that helps. <laughs> it's actually kind of pathetic how yeah. Our, yeah, <laughs> our areas of conflict. But, you know, but we're growing and learning together, and, you know, I feel like communication is a key part of that, and so we're learning that. And, you know, it's, and it's you know, even though we're four minutes apart, I feel like there's also, you know, the okay. big sister, little sister dynamic, you know, still at play, you know, but, you know, we both have strengths to bring to the table and we're just trying to recognize those and um and trying to you know hone those to be able to put out something that's really super fly and you know and and really create a process too as we go yeah. you know so that when we do this the next time around you know we won't have quite as many kinks with it we'll you know continue to learn and grow sure. and it's it's really nice too like i don't i don't know charlotte in a professional way. I mean, I support her and I've, you know, seen her come into her own and as a as a person who I know has a job. <laughs> but to get to know her as a as a professional and see like the things that excite people about her work whenever they come to me and be like, "Oh, I just heard your sister speak at this or that the third like and uh I'm I'm understanding why people are impressed by her knowledge and it's not like because she's my sister it's because <laughs> she's her own human and does beautiful things in the world yeah so what is next for sugar cube so you released the album in february do you guys have plans for the next project already we have loose plans we've been shopping some ideas around with with different people and organizations again we're trying to like be creative about our approach to uh, making records so and to and keeping stay true to our mission to bend and blend genre and represent underrepresented people so we're just um using me as a guinea pig and hope hopefully good things will come from that but um just having right now having a lot of conversations we're not accepting demos right now or anything like that um but we are in conversation with a few people about future projects. Sure. Well, we can't wait for the next album. Yay, mm-hmm. Yes. And we're so happy that y'all came onto the show. And I think we're going to cut to our next music break, which I think we should start off at the top with another Charlotte song. Yes. Um, Take a Chance. Oh, awesome. So cool. Tell us about that. Take a Chance is co-written by, by myself and my lovely niece, Anansi Rochelle Stevens, who is here in the studio. Nani, you can say what's up. Okay. <laughs> that is not her hip hop voice. That's her, she has recovering from a cold. But um, Nani doesn't appear on the song, but she co- helped me come up with the concept, and she also appears in the in the video. So this is take a chance for my last album called uh, Twilight for Gladys Bentley. This ain't a last stand, nor is it the Alamo. But in the U.S., yes, that's how the story goes. This ain't a lesson in westerns, but yo, yo, holster, bro. Don't even ask on me, just take a chance on me. My style is greasy, yours is cheesy as a pizza slice. Mozzarella, gouda, cheddar, you crummy as corporate feta. See you walking down the street wearing a pepperoni sweater. Don't even ask on me, just take a chance on me. Will you listen to my demo, Charlene? Will you listen to my demo? Cleo, will you listen to my demo, Demeter Joe? Don't even ask, homie, just take a chance, homie. I love raw instruments and hate artificial sweeteners. And since we pescatarians, yo, please don't start no beef with us. Another one by the dust, and that another one ain't none of us. So don't even ask, homie, just take a chance, homie. Similes ain't for poets, cause poets see things as they is, not as they like. MCs make rhymy words resemble similes to see the Don't even ask, homie, just take a chance, homie. Rock, rock, y'all. Freak, freak, yo. 
TV one will do an unsung if I ask him nicely. Don't even ask, homie. That was Charlotte Ammons with Take Chances, and we are closing our set out tonight. Um, thank you guys so much for coming on to talk about your new project, Sugar Cube Records. That's Sugar Cube with a Q. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can find out more about Charlotte and Charlotte and their work at our website, sheandherradio.com. We'll post some of Charlotte's songs and you can listen to them you can also check out all of the songs on the playlist that the two of them co-curated on our playlist on Spotify which is she plus her so once again thanks so much Charlotte and Charlotte thank you thank you a lot of fun thank you yeah Yeah. tons of fun appreciate it yes well so you guys can find us here every Thursday at 6 p.m. we are on the dial for those of you who are local at 1047 WHUP and you can stream us live at whupfm.org You can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please subscribe to our podcast. And while you're on iTunes, rate our podcast. Please. (laughs) Give it a five star. Come on. (laughs) Um, All of that helps us spread the word and continue to bring you diverse and compelling content each week. Our theme music is produced by Cameron Laws and Sam Gerwick. And Anita and I write and produce every show every week. If you want to find more about us, uh, you can look at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at She and Her Radio. Or visit our website at sheandherradio.com. See you again next week. Thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.